never like I never like I never like I never like explaining and applying to our own lives. In this episode of the Queenish Podcast, we are going to talk money with the financial expert. Our special guest is the creator of the program Money Talks, student-focused principles of financial management, a graduate of Clemson University, and she was awarded the Wells Fargo Community Impact Award. We cannot forget to mention that she was also Miss North Carolina 2018 and represented the Tar Heel State fabulously during the Miss America competition. Let us give a special welcome to Laura Matrazo. Hi, Laura. Hi, thank you so, so much for having me on. I'm super excited to get into all things finance, but most importantly, want to just say that I think this podcast is such a brilliant idea, so I'm excited mm -hmm. for the world to kind of get to know you through a podcast. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I'm just excited to have you. And um, I'm really happy that you're here to give me some of your financial wisdom, because not only do I need it, but I think that other people could benefit from it. I'm a recent college grad, so I'm just trying to figure it out as I go. So mm -hmm. uh, this will be great for me to hear as well. But we hear discussions all the time about financial literacy, and I feel like few people really understand what that means. So can you yeah. tell me, how would you define financial literacy? Yeah, I think one of the cool things about it is that, of course, we can go down to like the real technical definition of financial literacy, which is just the possession or the set of skills and knowledge that allows each individual to make informed financial decisions mm -hmm. um, that are effective and that utilizes all of their financial resources. So a lot of people right off the jump will hear financial literacy and they think, okay, money management, period, mm -hmm. end of story. Um, and there's just so much more to the story. It's not just cash. It's not just credit. Um, you're talking about stocks and investments and mm -hmm. savings accounts. There's just a bigger picture at it. But um, even when I got to speak to schools and start to introduce this topic to kindergarten graders. Um, one thing I always love to do, because the words financial literacy don't often, they're not vocabulary words that little ones know. Mm -hmm. um, what I would always do, and I know podcasting is an audio medium, but mm -hmm. bear with me. I would always stand up in the front and you know when you rub your hands against your thumbs like you're uh -huh. making the money symbol? Yeah. I would always say to them, everyone do that and tell me what it means. And everyone would eventually get money. Oh, um, so yeah. using that and then literacy, when we talk about reading books, we are literate, we mm -hmm. are reading, we are understanding the words on the page, and then we know the story. Same idea with financial or money literacy. We are understanding what all uh, encompasses the financial world. So it's this big, large topic that's fun to kind of peel back each individual layer and for some people, it feels a little bit like information overload, which is why I think it's so important to just get resources out to folks. Yeah, and I love what you said. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of Patrice Washington, but she is somebody that 
influenced me to start podcasting and awesome. one of her focuses and the messages that she talks about is wealth and just it being about more than money and it mm-hmm. being about just all over different areas of your life you can be wealthy and your relationships and your faith and just like everything that you do ties into how you become better with your finances in a way right it's all connected in some way and so i really love that you made it a point to talk about how it's just much more than just money there's a lot to this it is and you know in an age where we're so focused and we should be focused on mental health and physical health kind of introducing the same topic of financial health which really plays into those other two healths you know it's important to have a healthy portfolio to be healthy financially so that when we experience maybe unhealthy physical symptoms or unhealthy mental system uh, symptoms we are prepared to financially get the help we need so i think there's it's it's a big picture idea and and the better our lives will be if we've got you know a good handle on our financial literacy Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And I'm sure everybody else listening to you will agree as well. And so um, I also want to ask you, what do you think are some of the most used lies that we tell ourselves about taking control of our finances? I think Mm -hmm. we can all be in denial about many things and finances is every one of them. Totally. And I think that's sometimes a defense mechanism. We use like, oh, I don't know, or I'll just sign up for this credit card without really trying to understand the statements because the whole thing is way too complicated. Mm -hmm. We'll use it as a defense mechanism. But one of the things when I read um, just some basic early on knowledge of the world and finance, and one of the things that people in the world do not realize and I think are in denial about is that women earn less money which means women save less money Mm -hmm. and women live longer than men. So when we start to think about end of life uh, expenses, retirement expenses, the savings that men usually build up, women are already put at a disadvantage. So I think that's a big global lie kind of that's going on that um, we're, we're kidding ourselves when we think that the wage gap between women and men and even socioeconomic classes, there's, there's gaps all over the place, but to not recognize that those gaps then play into financial health, Mm. um, that would be a crazy myth to already kind of live off the base of. So getting that out of the way and just knowing that as women, I know this is a women focused podcast, Mm. as women, we have to be aware going into this that right now we need to advocate for ourselves because as of now we do make less money. Mm -hmm. So we are going to save less money and we are going to live longer. So we've got to stretch that money that we do make. But I think kind of going into some basic lies we tell ourselves is that since we live in such a cashless society, like it's rare that young people carry around cash or their assets in a liquid form, something where they can just use cash and kind of see it go in and out. Mm -hmm. We swipe, we swipe the plastic, we swipe Mm -hmm. the credit card. Um, So I think a lie that we tell ourselves is that we don't track the ins and the outs, the cash flow of our money. It's so easy to get lost in. Okay, I just used my debit card at McDonald's and then I used it to pay for gas and then I used it here and there. And before long, you've totally lost track of your expenses. So I think we lie to ourselves about how much money we're actually spending uh, just because it's hard to track when you've just got this cool little piece of plastic. Yeah. Um, 
swiping a card's easy. I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me. And I know it's really easy for a lot of 18 year olds who are graduating from high school and being marketed by major credit card companies mm -hmm. early on for some free money. And so it's appealing. And I know that's a big lie. Not only we tell ourselves, but society's starting to kind of push in our direction as well. Yeah, yeah. And everything that you said, there are two things you said that really stuck out to me. And the first one being just women being at a disadvantage already because of how little we make and because we live longer. Like that's just the way that statistics, you know, right. It's facts. You know, it's facts. Um, but it's interesting because usually one lie that I hear from women is that I don't need to be concerned with my finances because I'll just marry a rich husband or I'll just, you know, get into a relationship and the man will be in charge of the finances. And, mm. you know, thinking about all of that, one, what are you going to do if the man isn't in control of his finances? Mm -hmm. and both mm -hmm. of you are financially illiterate to say mm -hmm. the least. Like, what are you going to do about that? And then on top of all of that, what if, you know, he does pass on and, and mm -hmm. for some reason, you know, his assets aren't passed on to you, you know, like these are all it happens all the time. Yeah, it's, it's not mm -hmm. uncommon in this world that we live in. And so mm -hmm. for women to kind of have this almost like a damsel in the stress mindset, even mm -hmm. when it comes to finances, I just think that it's counterproductive and that women should, you know, use this time, like not even just during this quarantine, this current age that we live in, but just use their life the time mm -hmm. to, um, get in control of every area of their life, especially their finances, because like we were just saying earlier, everything is tied to that. Mm -hmm. like, it's so mm -hmm. important to just be covering all bases because you really just don't know what the future holds. And, you know, just on top of not waiting on a man, you don't know if you're going to get married, you know? So, it's right. just, you know, right. Well, and you, you, I think even using now as like a good time to, to bring up the fact that, a lot of women who are in marriages right now are realizing that, uh-oh, my husband just lost his job because of COVID-19, mm -hmm. or I just lost my job because of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And to rely on someone else and their financial ability to support you, I mean, God only, we didn't know that a global pandemic was going to break right. out in 2020. So to just prepare to, to be prepared for anything. I think that's the biggest idea. If you can take control of your own finances, then you're ready for whatever life might throw at you, whether that is a divorce or the loss of a spouse or the loss of a spouse's job or your own job. There's a thousand things that we can have happen to us in life, but if we're just prepared and we take some really simple steps, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, really simple steps to make sure you're taken care of, then we're already doing ourselves a service there. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. just to add to what you said about just making sure that you're tracking how much you're spending. I, before this year started, made sure to get like a planner. And I don't know if you've heard of like, I mean, I'm sure you heard of financial planners, but there's a specific mm -hmm. one that's called the luxurious lifestyle planner. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's, it's gigantic. In fact, after this call ends, I'll be sure to show it to you. But it, yes, it has please. so many things in it that have helped me significantly on my financial journey throughout the course of this year with 
made a huge difference because I graduated from college last year in December. I got a job in Raleigh. I moved. I got my first apartment. You know, all these things were coming at me fast on top of me being crowned Miss Taste of Charlotte and having yeah. to take on all of that responsibility leading into Miss North Carolina. I needed some extra help and I was not in a position to get a financial professional to help me out with that sure. so mm-hmm. I just took matters into my own hands and, and bought this planner and it has so many things from just um, taking care of your credit score to Good. things to financial like uh, spending triggers so like mm. what makes you want to spend when you go emotional out. spending is such a huge one that people yes. don't realize and you don't give it legs until you say I actually spend money when I'm bored or when I'm lonely, or when I'm feeling upset, or I don't have control of my situations. Like, those are huge triggers for people. Absolutely. I know my biggest one is definitely when I'm hungry. Um, Mm. I I tend to spend more money because I'm hungry while I'm out, and so I'm tempted to go to a restaurant instead of just going to the store or coming home and eating that leftover lasagna that I have in the fridge. You know, right, right. It's that instant gratification thing too of letting yourself get to the point of, oh my gosh, I need a quick fix. I need the instant gratification. And then, you know, you've got your card. That's an easy swipe. Mm-hmm. So thing, things kind of snowball there. So it, I, I hear you. And the more you're so right to be self-aware, the more you're self-aware of those triggers, the more you take power over them. So you're doing, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I am trying. I am learning just like the next person, but you know, that's just little tidbits of wisdom that I've acquired over yeah. short 22 years of life. <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask you, in addition to all of that, you believe that we're responsible for our financial literacy. Like, do you believe that our spending habits that we've acquired over the course of our life are influenced by the people around us, such as family members? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, it's less of a black-white picture. Like, it's more this gray area of, of course, we are a product of our surroundings. We are a product of the opportunities that we're given, whether that is, you know, different depending on where we grow up, who we grow up around, what socioeconomic class we grow up in. Of course, everyone is going to be put in a different boat when it comes to the base of their financial literacy. And a lot of it is influenced so early on, um, which is why I was such an advocate and still am to this day about getting financial education in schools. I think that parents, we, we see it so often that in a, in a school setting, you really have two different ends of this very extreme spectrum. You've got the kid that comes to school who is extremely financially sound. Their parents don't even talk about finances because money ain't a thing and everything's <laughs> good. And, you know, everything's great, but this kid grows up not knowing the value of a dollar. They don't understand how they can then acquire assets of their own. They just know that we're good and that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. So this kid in this end of the spectrum is at a disadvantage with financial literacy because nobody's bothered to teach this kid any financial skills Mm -hmm. because their parents are doing it for them. 
Yeah. Then we've got the other side of the spectrum. You've got a child coming to school who comes from a low-income household. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they have a single-parent household. Maybe money is the big stressor in the house. Maybe mom and dad fight over the bills every single night. Mm -hmm. That's the child then that is going to be at a similar disadvantage with a lack of financial literacy and maybe some poor financial habits learned from the home. But at the same time, they've also heard as money as a stressor, money as an argumentative topic, money that gets yelled about all day in their house. So these two sides of the spectrum, you've got kids who are afraid to talk about money. You've got the kid who doesn't want to bring it up because why bring it up? We, we are you know, not short on money anytime soon. You've got the other kid who knows that he might start an argument if he starts asking his parents about how they mm -hmm. pay their bills or how they manage their money. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's just so important that our education system kind of fills the void there, gives everyone an even playing field, and puts in some programs to then give kids just basic financial knowledge, basic financial management tips. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you plant the seed early, and you get kids comfortable talking about money, which is why I've titled my platform Money Talks, because it really does. It's a taboo in America to sit at a, you know, a table with your friends and say, how much do you make? And how, right. much do you make? And how are we saving that money? It's a taboo, right? So mm -hmm. uh, talking about money, getting it in the schools, getting it visible. Uh, it's a life skill. It needs to be talked about. So I think kind of going back to the idea of like, is it our responsibility? you know, as, as people who might be raising kids, yes. Is it kids' responsibility eventually to start taking ownership for themselves? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it the public and the community's responsibility to make sure kids have the resources they need? Yes. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's like a, a big picture issue. And the more hands we can get on deck, the better we're going to be. Everything you said, I feel like you were just describing my childhood for a moment. Like I was like, okay. was, she, was she there when I was a kid? Because definitely money was a taboo discussion to have. It's mm -hmm. definitely the source of many arguments and even in a way, a source of like manipulation in a way. If one mm -hmm. person was the breadwinner, you know, that dictated how the other person was supposed to behave in the relationship. And so mm -hmm. money can be a great thing, but it can also be a really bad thing if people are too, too obsessed with it. And yeah, yeah, I know one of the lies I was told growing up was, uh, it's okay to have a little bit of debt. It's good to have a little bit of debt. And I mean, it's good if you plan to pay it off, but you know, yeah, you've got to have a plan always. Right. Mm -hmm. As, as a kid hearing that, I don't know really what to, what to do with that information. So right. Me, it's right. A little bit of debt in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so if I got a credit card and you know, I accidentally maxed it out. Okay. Like that's fine because if I pay it off, okay. Like everything will just be okay. And to an extent mm -hmm. it's true, but when you start talking about things like credit, it takes a while to build that back up. And so even with paying it off, I got to be in a position to pay it off. And you right. know, a certain time frame in which all of that needs to be paid for. And so it's just, 
so important in households, in my opinion, that Mm -hmm. parents have these discussions with their kids and also just be at a point where they're content with having this discussion amongst each other because if you're not even okay with talking to your spouse about money, how are you going to be okay with giving your child any kind of financial advice? You know, like you said earlier, they're going to be a fish out of water when they leave the household and they're not going to know what to do. And it's okay to make mistakes. But if mm-hmm. you don't have to make certain ones, you know, you shouldn't have to. So Right. And what a beautiful thing to have a family unit where the communication, not just on topics of like finance, but just communication in general mm-hmm. is open. So if that means, you know, your family starts working on communication and you start with finance, mm-hmm. great. Move on to other things. Talk about relationships. Talk about life. Talk about health. You know, uh, it's... I think it's a generational thing as well that we never, you know, our our parents and our grandparents, especially it's rude to sit at a dinner table and talk about anything besides the weather and football. But the reality is that so many American families should be having these harder conversations Mm. so that one day they don't have to be hard. They just are normal and everyone is aware and the line of communication is open. Yes. I, Again, 1,000% agree with you. (laughs) Just nodding my head, taking all this information (laughs) in. And I know now that I'm not crazy to think some of the things that I've been thinking my entire life. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I I have to ask also, what are some quality and poor financial advice that you received Mm -hmm. growing up? Mm -hmm. I think early on, the one thing that my parents instilled in me is having a savings account, having something that's going to earn interest. Mm-hmm. I think so many kids don't quite understand that there is a difference between a checking account and a savings account. A checking account is just liquid money there for you to use it. Mm-hmm. A savings account is going to earn interest over time. It's something that is available at any bank. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if you are a middle schooler, a high schooler, a college student, they're going to have a specific tailored account for you. Um, so using the resources that you have, whether that means you one day ask mom or dad, hey, get me to a bank, I want to open a savings account. If you get birthday money, getting that into a savings account, that was the big quality advice that I received so early on was like, hey, okay, this year, you know, grandma, grandpa, aunt and uncle, everybody and their mother sent you 20 bucks for your birthday. So how much of that are we going to put in savings? And having my parents kind of describe to me how interest accumulates and how I can grow that $20, you know, mini investment into my savings account into something more over time. Um, so I think that was a big piece of healthy advice I received at a young age and have been able to kind of keep up with that ever since. Um, the one, I know you said poor financial advice, (laughs) one big topic that parents just do not know how to have a conversation about is student loans. Um, parents want their kids to be educated. They want them to have the best possible situation for education. Um, And a lot of parents think that a college degree translates into a healthy financial situation where you can take care of things like financial loans and and student loans and book loans and all that. But the reality is unless we have a plan out of college, those debts can really actually be crippling. So I think 
when you're a parent and you've got an 18 year old making some really big education decisions, uh, understanding what they're going to be doing as far as signing the dotted line on a student loan. Um, don't get them into trouble without them realizing. I, I think that it took me multiple years to fully understand what my student loan was like and how the plan actually worked and what the interest rate was. All of these things that I definitely should have known right out of the gate, but it was kind of swept under the rug like, hey, you want to go to school? Let's make it happen. All we got to do is get this loan and you're good. And thank goodness my parents were in a spot where they could do three out of my four years of school. So I only had my foot in the door for one of those financial years. So my loan was not huge. It wasn't like I took out a loan for four years praise um, because I think that is where so many kids end up. But when you think about poor financial advice, it's not bad to take on a student loan. It's bad to take out a student loan with no plan or with yes. no understanding. Mm -hmm. So getting to a point where you understand and you sign on the dotted line with confidence rather than with just kind of blissful ignorance is key for sure. Absolutely. I was also fortunate to graduate and not have a lot of student loan debt, uh, but I could have easily been in that situation, especially because when you graduate from high school and you think about your life, you're thinking about all the glitz and glam of like mm -hmm. adult and the freedom that you have from, you know, being out of your parents' home. Mm -hmm. And so you're not thinking about taking on financial burden and things like that. So a lot of high school students, their first thought is, oh, I'm gonna go to this school all the way in California. I may not have a scholarship, you know, and it may be a lot for out-of-state tuition, but I'm, you know, focused on the experience. I wanna have a great time while I'm at school. And, you know, while all these things are great, and I would mm -hmm. encourage anybody to just follow where their heart is, I yeah. definitely agree with you when it says, when you said, just make sure that you have a plan of action, yeah. how you're going to deal with the consequences of your decisions that you're going to make. Because right. choosing college is a big decision. And I don't think people think about the full weight of how responsible you are going to be in your life moving forward after you turn 18. I think right. they think that somebody, again, like we were mentioning earlier, is going to come through and save them. You know, mm -hmm. from all of that. So just have a plan. That's, I hope, the biggest takeaway that anybody takes from this podcast. Just make sure that you're thinking about your before you make a certain And it's so hard to say, okay, you're 17, mm -hmm. so now let's make a huge plan for the rest of your life. I think kind of giving it to our high schoolers in bite-sized pieces and just letting them know the basics of the commitment they're making and that, you know, college, yes, should be an experience, but at its foundation needs to be preparation for the rest of your life. So I think you're, you're totally spot on in saying that we just got to get everyone on the same page so that we don't make any poor decisions financially. And that goes back to financial literacy. It's literally a set of skills to make the right decision. So, you know, if you can get those skills under your belt at 17, 18 years old, you're setting adulthood up way better than you would if you know you learn later on right and i mean i think the biggest thing that we're alluding to with everything that we said thus far is that financial literacy is a journey and so mm -hmm. i would just want to ask you 
And what areas would you recommend that women specifically start to take control of their finances? Yeah, I think, I mean, we already said women live longer. So now is the time that we recognize that as women. And so we start to prepare that. But I think um, what we can do is start to change, you know, wherever we're at right now, wherever you are financially right now, there are steps you can take to kind of shift the trajectory of your financial health. The first thing I would always recommend is to check your credit score. Um, there are plenty of free options. There's a website. I know I wrote it down just to make sure I got it correct. Um, the annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com. It is the like government recommended once a year annual credit report where you can go, you can get a picture of what your credit score looks like. Um, and then you can kind of take steps to get it healthy from there. But that would be the first thing. Figure out what your credit score looks like and move from there. Um, the next thing I would say, I know you, you mentioned this with your planner, is to figure out your budget. Understand, take one month, use it as your experimental month. Understand what money goes out and what money comes in and what those numbers look like. Are they balanced? Do you have enough to set aside for savings? Are you thinking about investments down the road? Do you have funds in the bank to take care of those? Um, one of the big things that I practiced with little ones in schools was the difference between wants and needs. So when we've got an income, awesome. We need to take care of our needs before we even consider our wants, our gas bill, our rent, our insurance, all of the things that cover into the things that you just need as, a, as an adult human being. Mm -hmm. um, so understanding the differences there, you know, entertainment, dining out, all of those are wants. They're awesome things to have. They add to life. You know, if you didn't have those kinds of things, life wouldn't be as fun. But if you don't have the money to do those kinds of things, you're setting yourself up for, for failure. So making sure you inspect your budget for the wants and the needs. You understand your cash flow. Um, another thing I think that all women should have and all people should have is the savings account, that interest-bearing savings account. It is not hard. I could click three buttons on an app right now, you know, from BB&T and get some money in a savings mm -hmm. account and start that accumulation of interest right now. Um, so definitely get, get yourself a savings account. Make sure that you keep money in there. Try not to dip into your savings account. I think it's important to know the difference between an emergency fund and a savings account. A savings account is just that. It is saved. That money is not for you to dip into. It is not for when you get a flat tire. Your emergency money, which can be, you know, it can exist in a separate savings account. You can have multiple savings accounts. Or it can exist kind of as a pocket of your, um, your normal debit withdrawals. Um, but if you've got money set aside for when you get a flat tire, if you, you know, if insurance isn't covering a medical bill, those kinds of things, it's so important to have emergency funds versus savings accounts. And I know that sounds like you're just putting money in all different pockets, but you will thank yourself if you get down the road and you can look back and say, you know, I saved over X amount of years and look at the interest I have, or I, you know, didn't spend money on a, on a want. And now that I have to replace my car engine, you know, thank goodness I had the money to do it. So making sure you've got pockets of funds available to you 
that you um, can have for the future is going to be great. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned just it, it seems weird to think about money being in different pockets, but I think I was listening to a YouTuber and she had said something that really stuck out to me. And she was like, if you're if you look at your um, Excel spreadsheet with all of your your spending for the month and you still have money left over where is the money going you know like it should be at zero because you should be looking at where you can put your money so that it is kind of like a a return on your investment like in the long run you're getting something out of the money that you put towards whatever it is that you put it towards so when i started to think about it that way you know obviously when she says you should be at zero it doesn't mean just blow all your money on like an expensive dress or whatever but you know Again, going back to what you said about it just being used for different purposes, just spread your money out and, and make wise decisions on how you're spending and everything will be okay. And yeah. I think that that's something that is so basic, but because we aren't having these conversations about spending, a lot of people don't look at it that way. So mm-hmm. it's just- Well, and we get caught up in day-to-day life mm-hmm. and- weeks go by, you know, paychecks roll in, our expenses go out, and then we figure out that after six months have gone by, we haven't put any money away, we haven't put into our 401k, we haven't, you know, set aside the savings like we should be, and then six months have been wasted, and you, what do you have, six new t-shirts, or, you know, like, (laughs) there's just little things, and you're like, what am I doing? So I think catching yourself early so that you don't have regrets and this full closet or this brand new bright shiny car that depreciates the minute you leave the lot, Mm -hmm. um, those kinds of things that are so frivolous and just don't really matter all that much um, to be able to say, instead of going that direction, like I made a healthy choice, Mm -hmm. I made a wise financial choice. it not only shows that you're a mature person, but you're someone who is going to contribute to society, someone who's got their feet on the ground. And let's, let's also just recognize that there are so many people out there who do make minimum wage or who do take care of a family and their expenses are huge compared to what they actually bring in. And it's not their fault. It's not because of anything that they're doing wrong. It's circumstantial. It's, you know, based on, what's going on in their life. So I think what's important to do to remember is that really no matter where you're starting, even if the savings is $10 a month, you're starting with something. Mm -hmm. If you can afford to put away $10 a month, that's where we start. And that's just a fact of the matter. And if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. So know that I think it's important to recognize that there are so many folks who struggle a lot harder than I even comprehend just Mm -hmm. from my own life experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, And thankfully I haven't had to struggle like that, but I do know that it exists in the world. And so just knowing that financial literacy really can be, can meet you where you're at, whether that means we start really, really small and meet you where you need to be met, or you've got the resources to go big, just, Knowing that financial literacy is for everyone and everyone has a right to it, I think is super important. I couldn't have said it better. So we're just going to transition into the next question. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you alluded to this earlier. 
But what are some additional free or inexpensive resources that yeah. people, women, men, children, anybody can access that will help them in their financial literacy journey? Yeah, I think that one of the one of the organizations that I worked with early on um, that I totally did not realize was established and as huge as it is huge as it is, excuse me, is the SF. And PD, which is the Society for Financial Education and Professional Development. Dr. Ted Daniels, brilliant man who's worked in education almost his whole life, um, has come up with this program and it's targeted for specific HBUC campuses. Mm -hmm. So he puts these programs on in the campuses. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically like workshops, the kids on campus have access, the community around the campus has access. Um, and, and the cool thing about it is, yes, they teach financial literacy. Yes, they aim it at young college people. Yes, they aim it at, at folks who maybe haven't had the financial background in their past. Um, but what they do is they not only just do the workshop and then up and leave, they leave ambassadors on campus. So mm -hmm. they've got this ambassador program. And I've been so fortunate to meet some of these young ambassadors who are peers um, and teaching financial skills to people their age. They're going on the journey together. Um, I think it's a brilliant program. So know that programs like that exist. Know that if they're already installed in your college campuses, all you have to do is make yourself visible to them. They're great. Um, as far as online resources, which obviously now we're not on campuses, we're all mm -hmm. in our homes, we all have internet, a lot of us, you know, are surfing the web, looking at Instagram all day, so yeah. why not check out some resources for parents and for educators in particular, Hands-On Banking by Wells Fargo. Um, I love partnering up with Wells Fargo as in North Carolina, I still think that their hands-on banking program for kids and young people is the best out there. Mm -hmm. um, it is a free resource. There are tutorials. There are games online. Um, there are mini quizzes. There's the whole gamut. I mean, you have access to essentially a full financial education um, at your fingertips for free by Wells Fargo. So hands-on banking, Wells Fargo, hit it with a Google. It's the first thing that's going to come up. Um, the other thing that I want to point towards women, especially, is an organization called Flow. And I actually am pretty new to them, and, and I'm kind of trying to figure out all the resources that they have. But Flow stands for Financial Literacy Organization for Women and Girls. So specifically targeted towards females who are out here trying to be as, financial literate, as financially literate as possible. Um, I know that they do not charge for their conferences, seminars, workshops, and boot camps. So all of these things, which I'm sure they've translated into online seminars and online boot camps. So even now, um, during this quarantine, we can use these resources. But that's called Flow, great resource specifically for ladies. Mm -hmm. um, and the last one actually is an Instagram and YouTube account mm -hmm. that I am obsessed with. And I really hope the founder of it, Natasha, listens to this podcast. I'm going to send it to her. Um, but it's called yeah. Shares TV. If you go on YouTube, look up Shares TV, S-H-A-R-E-S TV. They're also on Instagram. Um, it is basically an animated 
web series targeted towards millennials specifically. Mm. And it's basically like um, the most relatable financial education you can get. Mm. The characters in these YouTube videos and in the Instagram, they have conversations the way I would have a conversation with my best friend Mm. when we're trying to decide to go out to eat or whatever. Mm. Um, I know there was a big thing for a while that I was just very – um, tossed around on memes and stuff like, do you have McDonald's money? That was like <laughs> the McDonald's money topic. Mm-hmm. And so they covered that and there was a whole series on McDonald's money. So shares mm-hmm. TV, it's run by millennials, targeted towards millennials. The episodes are short and sweet. You get a mm-hmm. lot of information, but, um, when it comes to relatability, it, that's, that's where the money is. Wow, just so many resources that I will be checking out after this yes. conversation. Yes. Uh, but just that was way more than I anticipated that you would have. So thank Yay. you for sharing all of your knowledge and uh, resources that you're already aware of. But of course. Usually with the Queenish podcast, I like to close out with some questions that are more directly tied to just the purpose behind why I started the podcast. And that's just Mm -hmm. personal growth and development of women in all areas of their life. And so um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, do you feel like you've become the woman that you've envisioned yourself to be? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that the cool thing about life and the journey of life is that we write our own chapters. And that's such a big thing that I've focused on is that Each chapter can be written however you decide, and each chapter is yours to make whatever you want of it. Um, So I know for me, when I start to think about the things that I've accomplished thus far and and how those chapters write into my overall book of who Laura is and who I envision myself to be, I'm really proud to say that yes, so far so good. Um, but I think the, the cool thing about it is that life can take you so many directions and you really can take yourself so many directions. So I'm excited to kind of continue the writing of the chapters and commanding that process as best I can and just know that I've set myself up so far to do great things. And I know that, you know, so many of your listeners are going to be so inspired to kind of take control of what they can in control and then they're going to continue to write their chapters just the way they want to as well so it's all about that we all got cool stories to tell and cool books to write that's for sure and so my second question for you is what is your definition of a queen yeah i think we see so many times that when you think of a queen or when society envisions a queen or a princess she's regal and she's posh and she's put together and she's everything but I think when you get down to it a queen makes other people feel like queens and and having the superpower to make people that you interact with feel like the most important people in the room that's what a queen does a queen uses you know her put togetherness and her kind heart and her uh, resources to lift other people up and to make them feel even better than she's ever felt. So I think a queen at the end of the day just uses her skills to lift everyone else around her up. Love it. Love it. Love it. And my last question for you is where can people find you for your services? So that might be a personal website, any social media platforms you have, usernames, anything that you want to throw out there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So my Money Talks program was in the Boys and Girls Clubs. And, you know, that was a great thing and a, a big chapter of my Miss North Carolina year. Um, and now, you know, transitioning into my career, I'm uh, a sales and service representative at Clemson University for the athletic department and get to handle big bucks when you talk about money, really talk about money when it comes to college football. But mm -hmm. I am happy to answer questions on social media as they relate to finance or, or life or whatever that might be. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Laura Matrazo. You can find me on Facebook, Laura Matrazo. Um, sometimes I tweet on a Twitter account. Um, I think it's just at Laura Matrazo on Twitter too. So look me up. Um, I am always happy to engage and have conversations about topics like this just because I know we're all on this journey together and life is not easy. So the more cheerleaders you have on your side, the, the better it is. So happy to be there for anyone who needs it. Absolutely. And thank you again so much for taking the time out of your day to be a part of this podcast. Everything that you said was phenomenal. And I'm definitely going to be reevaluating my life after this. Um, but thank you so much for being a part of the Queenish podcast journey. You are welcome. I think you've got a great thing going and I can't wait to keep listening as you put out more episodes. Thank you, Laura. Never like, never like, never like, never like.